You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture reading today is from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verses 10 through 17. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their entire families. Everyone gathered at the entrance to their tents so that the Lord was very angry. Moses thought the situation was bad. So he asked the Lord, why did you bring all this trouble to your servant? Why haven't I found favor in your eyes? After all, you're putting the burden of this entire people on me. Did I conceive this people or give birth to them so that you would tell me to carry them near my heart like a wet nurse carries a suckling baby to the land that you promised to their forefathers? Where am I going to get meat to give this people? After all, they're crying in front of me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry this whole nation. This burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you treat me, please kill me right now. If I found favor in your eyes because I don't want to keep staring at all of this misery. Then the Lord told Moses, gather together for me 70 men who are elders of Israel men whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Then bring them to the tent of meeting and let them stand there with you. Then I'll come down and speak with you. I'll take some of the spirit that rests on you and apportion it among them so that they may help you bear the burden of the people. That way you won't bear it by yourself. The word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Wendy. I don't feel like I have to preach now. (laughs) But I will anyway. (laughs) Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Tennessee Williams tells a story of Jacob Brodsky. He was a shy Russian Jew. His father owned a bookstore, and his father wanted nothing more than for his son to go to college. But Jacob wanted nothing more than to marry Lila, his childhood sweetheart. She was a French girl who was effusive and vital. Jacob went to college, but a few months after he went to college, his father fell ill and died. And so Jacob came home, and he buried his father, and he married Lila, and they began to run the bookstore. They lived above the bookstore in the apartment up there, And it made Jacob very happy. A life of books fit him very well. But a life of books cramped Lila. She wanted adventure. She wanted to explore. She wanted to be more than in a bookstore. 
She thought that she found what she wanted when she met an agent who enticed her to come and sing in a vaudeville touring company. Jacob was devastated. As she left to go on tour, he gave her a key to the bookstore and said, you better keep this because you'll want it someday. You'll come back and I'll be waiting. She kissed him goodbye and left. To escape the pain, Jacob withdrew. He took to reading as someone else might take to drinking. He spoke little, he did little, he mostly just read and waited for his love to return. Fifteen years later, Lila returned. But when Jacob rose from his desk, he thought she was a customer. Do you want a book? he asked. She was startled that he hadn't recognized her. I want a book, but I've forgotten the title, she said. And then she told him a story of childhood sweethearts, of a newly married couple who lived above a bookstore, a young, ambitious wife who left to have a career, who was successful in her career, but who never gave up her husband and the key that he gave her when she left. She thought the story would make him remember, but his face showed no recognition. She saw that he had lost touch with his heart's desire. He no longer knew the purpose of his waiting and grieving. You remember it, the story of Lila and Jacob. It sounds familiar, he said. I think I've read it before. I think it's by Tolstoy. Dropping the key, she fled and left. Everyone has a sense of purpose. It may take a while to find it. it we may not always be able to articulate it. It may change from time to time, but we have a purpose. It may change depending on our phase of life, but for the most part, there's a goal, a purpose for which we strive. Oftentimes, it's altruistic. We want to make the world better, or it's faithful. We want to be like Jesus, or it's related to family. We want to provide a good life for our family, or maybe our purpose is learn as much as we can, make as much as we can, see as much of the world as we can. Whatever the case may be, I believe that God gives us a purpose. Another word for it might be a calling or our heart's desire. Sometimes we search to figure it out and it takes a long time. Other times we lose it and we forget it like Jacob did. Sometimes we're robbed of it by a pandemic or an illness or a loss or a change and we forget who we are, what God has called us to do, and we're stuck. I love Moses. He got stuck a lot. His story is so rich and full. He began his life floating down a river to be saved from being killed because he was born a Hebrew boy. He's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and grows up in an Egyptian palace. 
Yet he's angry when he sees an Egyptian soldier beat a Hebrew slave and he kills the soldier. So he runs away and he's caught between identities and not sure of his purpose. He works for his father-in-law. He is out herding sheep for him. And it's there that he receives a call and not just a conversation, right? But a conversation that comes from a burning bush. And the burning bush calls him and God says, you deliver my people. And Moses says, but I'm not good at public speaking. But God says, that's okay, I'll help you. You can do it anyway. But he says, but no one's gonna listen to me or believe me. And God says, but that's okay, I'll take care of that. I'll help you, you'll do work, you'll do wonderful things. But I just really don't wanna do it. And God says, go anyway, I've got your back. And so Moses goes and he fights with Pharaoh and God sends plagues and Pharaoh lets the people go And then he goes after them. And then they come back and they go back and forth and back and forth. And finally, the ultimate plague happens and Pharaoh's son is killed. And he says, fine, go. And they go. And then again, Pharaoh says, oh, never mind. And he sends the armies after him. And that, of course, is where we see Charlton Heston part the Red Sea. (laughs) And they go into the wilderness. And the Hebrews complain And God provides, and Moses goes up on the mountain twice and comes back with the Ten Commandments twice. And all of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy detail 40 years in the wilderness. And they build a civilization, and they plan to enter the Promised Land. But there's always complaining, always. And they're wandering around the desert for 40 years. And Moses gets so tired of it. He doesn't want to do it anymore. Time and again, throughout those four books, he loses his sense of purpose. And each time, God found a way to remind him of who he was. And the job he had to do, he found a way to remind him of his purpose and help him to live it out. In today's scripture, Moses is tired He's angry, he's lost himself, he's ready to give up. And so God responded. He got him help. Moses was overwhelmed and it was a lot to carry. By convening all of the elders of the tribes, it wasn't then all on Moses. He could continue as the leader, but it wasn't all up to him And as the leader, he could fulfill his purpose and be renewed. And that's the amazing thing about God. God will always help us to remember and revive our purpose. We've just got to involve God in the process. And the thing that I love and that Wendy illustrated so well is that It's okay to have a straight conversation with God. It's okay to get mad and to say, why, what is going on? How come you aren't here? Save me. It's okay to do that because God hears and listens and really understands our humanity. It takes prayer and authenticity. Now, you may be there thinking, but I'm not sure what my purpose is to begin with. 
and you might find the whole idea overwhelming. Maybe your purpose right now, you would say, is just to get by or to keep your children out of jail or at least to get them to all of their activities or to put food on the table or to make it to retirement or to feel better than I did the day before. Now, those things might not be what really drive us, but perhaps we can revive those purposes. Perhaps getting by could be living life to the fullest. Perhaps keeping my children out of jail or at least getting them to all of their activities could be raise my children to be happy and healthy and whole. Perhaps putting food on the table is caring for those who I love. And perhaps making it to retirement is doing the best that I can each day so I can enjoy the fruits of my labor. Moses was lost. He was uncertain. He was getting by until God called him and gave him his purpose. And he found all kinds of excuses, but he knew what he was meant to do. And so he did it. And then he got lost, and he forgot time and again. And the same thing happens to us. How do we remember our purpose? We get engaged, we talk to God, and we make decisions. Today, I'm going to see the positive in the world. Today, I'm going to love my neighbor. Today, I'm going to find a way to help someone. And we ask, what is my heart's desire? And we live every day with that in mind. Our purpose might not be as big as Moses's. God may not be calling us to deliver a whole people. But our purpose does make a difference. Bob Goff, in his book, Everybody Always, tells about Adrian, who worked at the airport in San Diego, He worked security, and he was the guy who checks your ID and ticket before you go through and uh, have your luggage scanned and get scanned yourself. The lines in front of Adrian were always too long. Passengers were always impatient and often running late. And so being the guy in front of the TSA line was a pretty thankless job. Adrian stood five feet tall weighing, as Bob Goff said, less than a bag of chips. He was probably in his mid-60s, but it was hard to tell. He was a strange mix of youth enthusiasm, calm wisdom, and deep love. And he had a sturdy presence that came from many years of tireless work. Bob does a lot of traveling for his work, and so he passed Adrian often, And he noticed that no matter who Adrian met at the front of the line, Adrian always treated them with love and respect. Now, people in line might not have even noticed Adrian. They walked through frustrated or sad or excited. It didn't matter. Adrian greeted all of them with a quiet, sincere kind of love. Bob watched him every time he was in line. And he finally introduced himself. He said, hi, I'm Bob. I've passed you a dozen times, and I just want to thank you for the way that you treat each person in line. It's really amazing. The way you treat people reminds me a lot of the way Jesus loved. 
Adrian looked up from Bob's license. Tears were welling up in his eyes. And he said, I'm Adrian. And over the next few years, Bob and Adrian became friends three minutes at a time. And soon a friendship grew and they would get together and share in celebrations and griefs. Bob writes, what I liked most about Adrian was that he knew who he was. Adrian was a TSA worker, but his purpose was to bless people as they came through the line. It could be easy to lose his purpose, given the way some treated him. But he found ways to connect with friends like Bob and work to keep growing in faith so that he could always keep greeting people as Jesus did. Each of us has a purpose. We might be like Moses and need to be reminded of a lot. We might be like Adrian and lose sight of it, or or don't ever lose sight of it. We might be like Jacob and have totally lost it. Many of us might need to revive it. Wherever we are, God is with us. God can help us find it and live it. And perhaps your church can too, as we revive together. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.